Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. That was that's the tricks with the graphics, Gary. What I gotta do is I gotta look at you and I gotta anticipate where the puck is gonna be, not where it is. Ah, oh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gretzky. Gretzky, yeah, yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Always go where the puck is going to be. Yes. Yes. And, and, and but it. I'm just fucking around. I'm just messing around. I'm just messing around. I'm not gonna do that. No, that's all right. it's, 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 been, it's been a very interesting week. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so he, I, here I am. I'm your political director of, of Suncoast Normal, Gary Stein, along with my co-host and deputy director of Suncoast Normal, Carlos. Don't call me Pedro Ermita because that's a it's a Mexican name. And he doesn't like that. It's and above a, and just above the Beltway, Mexican character that you're referring to. Our executive I'm director. Cuban. Chris Kano, who's been keeping a close eye on all the federal improvements. Now, I understand that the national uh, defense bill has actually got another cannabis bill put into it. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, interesting things enough, you know, between the Safe Banking Act and uh, working to ensure that the um, uh, Department of Justice uh, cannot use uh, federal funds to raid legal states are definitely two key provisions uh, that have been able to get into the budget uh, this year. Fantastic, and I also and, and also the, uh, the the cannabis research bill, the one that was originally uh, pushed by I believe Gates and, and Chris uh, at one point in time, is also in the bill to increase the amount of, of cannabis research being done with better stuff than that crappy stuff coming out of University of Mississippi. So we're looking forward to actually getting real research done by genuinely uh, <laughs> research grade product because that is so important. Because if you, if you it's, you know, it's, it's an old adage in regards to science, garbage in, garbage out. If you don't have good data, you're not going to have good results. You can't rely on them. And that's, that's what we're hoping for with, with cannabis research. And it's still going on, guys, no matter how many times we go to Tallahassee and they say, I don't know, the research is just not in yet. The science is not complete yet. Yeah, guys, it is. It really, really is. And we would be more than happy to do more research, but we're way ahead of you. We have already approved the fact it's, that medical is good and now we're showing you all the different ways that it can be done so i'm currently doing a little experiment in order you guys can't see it i mean i guess i could share the screen but whatever i'm doing a little experiment to back up what gary's saying i just did a search on pubmed.gov okay uh, gary gary you're you're a scientist what is pubmed.gov pubmed.com is a conglomerate of medical uh, uh articles as in papers and peer-reviewed journals that have to do with a particular topic. You put a topic in there, it'll give you all the different studies and research that's been done on that topic. So so I just searched for cannabis, right? And 26,813 results showed up. My God, the science is out on that, isn't that's it? That's crazy, right? That's crazy. <laughs> How many things, like, uh, did Tylenol get researched uh, to 26,813 times? I don't think so. I don't think so. Somebody, uh, now I know this is off topic, but somebody sent me another one of these great little YouTube videos, or maybe it was Vimeo this morning, 
that said that where this guy came up there who said he was a entrepreneur and professor and and he calls himself doctor though he's a doctor of i think what uh to- toxic uh something or other anyways he had nothing to do with medicine whatsoever and the first thing he says is just so you know the science is out, is in and there's no such thing as the as the SARS-CoV-2 virus it's all been made up how much more research do we need on this virus to prove that it actually exists I mean, I think that's that virus has probably been studied more than any other virus in history because there's been so many people involved in it. And yet like, these folks still say, no, it doesn't exist. That's, that's kind of like, like, like walking in a, into the middle of the street and looking at the cars coming at you and say, you know something? When that car hits me, it'll go right through me. It, it, <laughs> it's a horrible thing to say about these COVID people um, that, that don't believe in it. But uh, it, I see it quite often, like they end up dying uh, from COVID because they don't wear their mask or they, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, my parents had like, you know, my parents, very conservative people. However, right, they're very careful with COVID and they 100% understand that there's a disease that we need to be careful with. And uh, yeah, so they have friends that are like, Carlos Mercy, that's bullshit. That (laughs) shit ain't nothing, right? And, is that and, your Massachusetts accent? And I don't. I don't know. That, that's Davy Florida accent. Davy Florida. They, they, it's bullshit. Carlos and Mercy. COVID isn't a real thing. <laughs> I ain't putting no piece of paper on my face, and they end up fucking dying oh, off. Like oh, I, it's a face diaper. Yeah, my my parents have become extremely sad because they're losing a lot of friends. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I lost about a dozen friends in the course of this pandemic. Yeah, and it, it's tough to think that they got they got killed by an imaginary virus. And I mean, you know, I mean, how bad? Is, what I mean, all the ways you can go to, to be killed by an imaginary virus? It shows you have a good imagination, though, I guess, right? You know, I uh, got COVID, Gary, and I didn't die because I smoked weed the entire time. Well, there you go. Just medical, so you know, we don't endor- we don't endorse Carlos's method of treating yourself because it did not involve a medical professional. However, we are glad he's still here. And all that bit, because any way you can get through this, I think is great. Medical marijuana. You well, need more, marijuana you need more research re- on that, guys? Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does reduce inflammation, and which is one of the major causes of issues in regards to COVID. So that is one episode, one part of it. Although I know guys who have had these uh, this brain fog that continues on for like months and months after they get even get finished with the uh, <laughs> get, get finished with the virus. That said, I think if Carlos had brain fog, it wouldn't make any difference. Uh, I'm kind of in a constant state of brain fog, but That's it, right. it with, works with, for with me. 200 you know. milligrams of, of, uh, of RSO every morning, brain fog does not exist. That's all there is it's to a, it. it, if you, it like, it, it reminds me of my philosophy back when I wasn't the boss and I was like part of the workforce. Like I was a server at this restaurant. I was like, if I go into work high every day, they think that's just how I am, and then I could be high all the time. <laughs> now you, you you read Alice in Wonderland, right? Uh, yeah. She, well, I saw said, I saw the flick. Well, she once said that her father always told her to imagine three impossible things every day. Ah. Uh-huh. Well. <laughs> Kano, you're very quiet today. I, I, I'm, I'm not, not going to go that far. But, the, um, the entire show today is going to be me and Gary back, going back and forth and Kano in the bottom of shaking his head. Okay. <laughs> the, the title of today's show, which I came up with on the way over here while listening to uh, my, my podcast, 
uh, was a little bit of Elvis Costello kind of mixed in with our own industry and saying, what, what's so scary about peace, love, and legalization? And then, and you, of course, made it fit. So you yeah, changed it a little bit, I, which I is made cool. it a little, a little better for headline purposes. Well, that's great. That's great. It gives me a chance to explain myself. Yeah. Because we do, we are looking for a possible legalized market in the near future here in the state of Florida. And there's a lot of issues in regards to it. And there's three basic paths that we can get to legalization. The first, of course, is through federal legalization, if and when that happens. And the problem with that on the downside is if it becomes federally legal, that means all the big, big corporations with billions of dollars behind them could possibly sweep in and take over the market. They've already taken over. Well, they, 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 Coca-Cola, I mean, they just bought another a sports drink company that they could use to go ahead and infuse and things of that sort. And the tobacco companies were going to get involved and things of that sort. And maybe even the biscuit companies. I mean, heck, the biscuit can sell a hell of a lot more cookies this way. Wouldn't you agree? If they had weed in them? If they had weed in them. Yeah. If, that, if I could get our Oreos in a Pisco? Yeah. Yeah. Now that said, the. If I could get Oreos like that had weed in them, fuck. I'm, I'm just saying that. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that, guys. The Keebler Elves, you know, that would be one hell of a marketing campaign to see them making edibles in their little tree, you know? <laughs> Imagine if they had a grow house in a tree. Well, <laughs> since you can't smoke in public spaces, are inside trees considered a public space? Um, Ooh. Just wondering. Anyways, oh. so federal legalization is one aspect. And if you look at the, uh, the Cannabis Opportunity Act, it does state that even though it might become federally legal, the states can still go ahead and put in their own rules and regulations. And we know what that's like over here in the state of Florida, that we, they will regulate the shit out of things. Can I say shit? Yes. Okay, good. They will regulate the fuck, fuck out of things. You, I don't give a fuck what you say, Gary. <laughs> and so it's, it's very possible, even if we have legalization through the federal thing, they will still have the state overregulating it. So the second option is ballot measures. And they have done everything they can in Tallahassee to make it extremely hard to get a ballot measure through. So we had two chances at it. Both of them failed for either monetary reasons or political reasons or judicial reasons. And now that they're trying again, it may be they may have raised the bar so high that we can't get any ballot measures in, with the possible exception of those new bills which claim that illegal aliens can't vote, which I thought was kind of a weird one that we had here in the state of Florida, since illegal aliens, which don't even exist, we were talking about migrant work, migrant workers cannot, if they're not a citizen, vote. Plain and simple. Hmm. But the third way, that's, of course, that's our taxpayers' money at work. Guys. Our taxpayers' dollar at work, and yeah. the third method, of course, is through the legislature. And the question is, can they do it? Illinois did it, right? Cano says no. Cano, Cano's how, the thumbs down with Cano. How many states have actually have actually gotten uh, legal cannabis through the legislature now? Two. Now, interestingly enough, two states that actually passed a ballot measure actually got that ballot measure reneged by their governors, Mississippi and, and South Dakota. Got to love Christy Nome, spelled G-N-O-M-E. It actually did negate the, the will of the people who passed the ballot measure and then said, no, I'm not going to have that. That's all there is to it. So it, it is a possibility of legislature actually working. Now, everybody knows uh, Senator Brandis. He is a fantastic senator, and he's also libertarian, which makes him a favorite of a lot of, of people in the cannabis industry. By the way, I never thought I'd ever heard those two words together, cannabis and industry. That really did 
sit, when I when I was sitting back the other day for whatever reason that I was salivating, and noticed that um, those words I'd never ever thought in, in the nineteen eighties or even the nineties that cannabis and industry would actually be two words you actually talk about in the exact same sent, sentence, because you know it wasn't the industry; it was a trade, right? Basically, people, they learned uh, either through generational help and things of that sort, how to possibly cultivate and how to possibly sell it without getting caught, that kind of thing. And so that's that's basically what it was. But now it's an industry. Mm-hmm. And industry, as as usual, needs to get have some kind of regulation. It's been that way since the antitrust days. So to have a simple bill to make cannabis uh, legal through the legislature, you've got to have... Well, there's two bills out there right now. One of them is, is Brandis's bill, which is only 78 pages. And the other one is, is, is uh, with the, Ed Henson has, it was 120 pages. And we got, we got a couple different bills coming through. We got uh, Andy Learned has got a bill coming out, which has not been released yet. Brandis has got his bill. And then Farmer is, is re-releasing last year's bill with a couple of tweaks. But if you look at the first couple of pages, uh, it explains in the title just all the things that have to get changed in order to make a legal adult use market here in the state of Florida. And a lot of regulation has to go into that. And people say, why does it have to have so many regulations involved? Because there are already regulations involved and we have to scoot around the current law. We have to, reg- we have to modify it. We have to regulate it in a way that it makes the legislators calmer about this whole thing. But the question is, what are they so scared about? everybody says we just want you to free the plant you know just say snap your fingers there's no laws anymore it's all about the purge and it's all about we're we're <laughs> we're, 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 we're gonna have we're gonna free the plant and it's, it'll all be totally totally free for everybody but what is what are the chances of that happening chris Absolutely zero because, and because we as a people have gotten conditioned to asking our elected officials for legislation. We've gotten accustomed to asking for them to do right by the people and right by the patients. They are public servants. They work for us. They're public employees. And the time has come for us to fire their asses if they're not going to do right by us, the people. And we need to, we, the people, are much stronger than any single politician out there who's holding up this legislation. So if you're a prohibitionist or if you're someone who's waiting to get your palms greased with a big fat campaign donation check, it's time for you to take a hike. The fact is that if you're not willing to do right by the the several hundred thousand patients in this state who are sick with chronic debilitating conditions who need access to this, if you're not willing to do right by the disparate number of people who are consistently arrested, even in the city of Tampa and in the Tampa Bay area every single year, uh, for something that there are people down the street in MMTCs making millions of dollars off of, then you got to go. Plain and simple. We the people. It's time for us to step up and kick all these politicians to the curb that are not doing right by us. I mean, I'd love to have a bill that was only two pages and it, it was so succinct that says you're free. You can leave now. We've we, we've un, we've uh, unlocked the door and you can just go and do whatever you want to do. But instead, we got this uh, 74 page magnum opus from a libertarian. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> but I understand exactly why he's doing that because he knows exactly the situation we're in. Now, for those folks who think. That 1937 was the was the only time we ever had regulations in regards to cannabis. You're wrong. Even before that, 
there was tax and tax stamps involved that pharmacists and doctors had to fill out in order to give you a prescription or recommendation. It was actually a prescription still there because it was on the pharmacopoeia for cannabis. And, and, that, and that went back to the point that they were trying to regulate opium at the time. So they figured anything within that realm has to be regulated. And even though at that time, Congress was basically only involved with the purse strings. In that words, they, they talk about taxes, they talk about spending it, basically. And that is what they were doing at that time. And they made it so that it was difficult for anybody to prescribe cannabis because they had to write in a book exactly how much they had, how much was sold, and then they have to pay a tax on it with, by buying tax stamps and put them on the bottle itself. And that, that was even before 1937 was around where it suddenly became illegal. So we have been dealing with a regulated system as longer than you can even imagine. So the only way to unregulate something is with a magnum opus like this to get things done. And there's a lot of things that are interesting involved in this. And, the, and what, I, what I'm worried about, though, is what happened in Washington State, and that is that they merged the adult use market with the medical market, which essentially obliterated it. It made it really, really hard for anybody to get uh, a medical market. And the medical market is shrinking because the adult mar use market is, is growing. I don't know if you've even noticed it by looking across the country, mm -hmm. but, but that is the fact. And... Uh, in discussing the situation with uh, our commissioner of agriculture not too long ago, she has said that, what, that one of the things that she, what she wants to do, and of course, the, the corollary to the three different ways is that the governor, although they don't have direct power, can actually influence the legalization of cannabis. Uh, that, in other words, like when DeSantis came in, he didn't snap his fingers, write an ex executive order and say, flour is now legal. He had to demand that the legislature go back and write a law for it and that he would sign it. And told, he gave them his priorities, and they gave him the law back. That's the way it worked. Well, Nikki says she wants to fully legalize cannabis, but she also wants to emphasize that the medical market must be untouched. So we can still have medicine that is not taxed, and that we have a, a broad spectrum but, of products we can have. I mean, is that even possible, though? Like, the, what you have, what you basically described, Gary, is, to me, is saying by the very existence of an adult use market, the medical market will shrink. Is that what what, what I can deduct? That from is what you're a fact saying? because people, believe it or not, don't like the fact they have to go to a doctor, pay them for that initial visit, and get the recommendation before they can even get a medical card from the state, which allows them to go ahead and get it. And then every every, every so often they have to go ahead and get that card renewed, or they have to get the recommendation renewed, and they have to go back to the doctor. And, and visit them for <clears throat> interim periods, make certain that everything is going as it's supposed to go. And that's a lot of pain for a lot of folks. And a lot of folks don't even want the government to have a, car, a card issued to them with their name, address, phone number on it, and all that bit, and say, I am a cannabis user. And in fact, there's actually a bill uh, come out that talks about the information that is, that is involved with, uh, with cannabis cards and who will have access to it. And they are still saying, of course, that the law enforcement would have access to the information on your card. And that is actually a, a protective measure. So in case they catch you with, with a product, they need to make certain that you actually have a medical card that goes with it. Mm. And legalization so, can be sketchy. I mean, I, when I go to uh, the, the few times I've been to Vegas, right? I haven't been to Vegas in a little while. I don't know if this would still fly over there, but the few times I've been to Everything Vegas. Everything flies in Vegas. I, I, go to, I go to Plan 13 and I say, hey, I'm a Florida medical marijuana patient. 
and then I don't have to pay uh, these like crazy taxes they have. And then I've got like these edibles that are like available to me that aren't available to everybody else. Like I was able to get like this 500 milligram chocolate bar and stuff like that. Like there's benefits to being a medical patient. There's incentives, if you will, in being a medical patient in um, an adult use market. Um, Like I don't know. It just seems like it's the regulation here is I'm going to sound very conservative right now. I'm going to sound very conservative right now. It seems to me the regulation here. Tie on first, so you can you can look the part. (laughs) T-shirt doesn't does not does not scream conservatism. The the fact that we're regulating the cannabis market, the adult use cannabis market, Mm -hmm. is what is screwing up the medical marijuana market. It's the reason why we're trying to protect the medical marijuana market. We're regular, you know. I go to to Planet Thirteen, and I've got these taxes over my head, and I've got you know like all these edibles and shit, like these doses that are not available to the, the the actual public. The incentive to become a medical marijuana patient. And to play play ball is to is to to have better things available to avoid the regulations of the adult use market, right? If we just fucking said this shit was like tomatoes, and let people grow it in their backyard and let RSO suppliers come up, you know, and 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 you know, uh, compete with each other, and and yeah, there's going to be people that have shitty RSO, and there's going to be people that have you know, bad chemicals in their RSO, but the true players, you know, the true good guys are going to come out sooner or later. I, it seems to me, the problem is we're regulating weed. It seems to me that we should just let people fucking have weed. Like, I don't, I don't understand why we have to limit doses in an adult use market. I don't understand why we have to have these crazy taxes. Because people have come to to believe, whether it's true or not, that certain higher doses lead to psychosis and things of that sort, which is, you know, with these fake news things that continue to mill around, mill around, mill around. Now, I, I can say that, you know, I know I'm probably doing a spoiler alert right now because his bill hasn't come out yet, but Andy Learned has been working on a bill that has <laughs> that has the uh, adult use on it. And when he talked to me last, he mentioned the fact that one of the things he plans on putting in there is that there will be a 10% cap, but only on the adult use product, not the medical product. If Andrew Learned does that, not only will I advocate for a primary in the Democratic Party, but I will never vote for his sorry ass again for that. And I'm saying this right now because I know this is being shared in Florida grassroots Democratic groups across the Facebook spectrum. Look, Rep. Learned, you do not get to tax uh, and cap people's medicine. You have no idea what people go through every day for their medicine. And frankly, if you're going to team up with a slime bag like Spencer Roach, I don't think you're the right type of Democrat that we need in office. Go switch parties and be a scumbag across the aisle. Dang. <laughs> See that? I, I, I got Chris to wake up. Isn't awesome, kiddo. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> But, but hey, he's still serious. Look at him. I'm, 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 I just, I can't, I can't. Look, plain and simple, these are the core attributes of a patient-centric system. This is what normal supports. This is what we are about, is access to whole plant cannabis, limited taxes and fees, wide latitude for your doctor to decide your treatment regimen, personal cultivation rights, employment protections, and other reasonable civil statutory protections. And I'm going to run through those very quickly. 
Patients must legally be able to attain and process herbal formulations of the whole plant cannabis that can be administered via inhalation, vaporization. Their therapeutic choices cannot be limited solely to orally administered cannabis and derived extracts, oils, or pills. You and your doctor get to decide your method of ingestion, not these scumbag politicians. Patients must not be forced to pay unreasonable taxes and fees. All right. You know, if you want to have an adult use market, great. But patients absolutely not should be paying taxes on their medicine and the fees need to be reduced. They need to be on a sliding scale. Uh, veterans shouldn't be paying for medical marijuana cards. People on Social Security disability should not be paying for medical marijuana cards. The approved list of qualifying conditions need to be more expansive and must allow physicians the option to recommend cannabis therapy for the treatment of chronic pain, plain and simple. And then patients ought to have the legal option to cultivate personal use quantities of cannabis in their own private residence or at a, a, a grow facility that's, that's legally licensed to do that. Registered patients do not arbitrarily be prohibited from accessing higher potency THC products. All right, there is no research to support THC caps. All right, it is bullshit research coming out of the United Kingdom because there are members of parliament who have uh, spouses in the, the medical marijuana program and they're trying to corner the market just like we're seeing here in the U.S. And patient pharmaceuticals out of England, by the way, has always pushed a high CBD, low THC product. And that is basically what their market is on. And they put a lot of money into the British economy. Exactly. And patients patient should not face workplace discrimination sanctions solely based upon their medical cannabis status. Right. Patients should also not be withheld medical treatment in hospitals, such as being denied organ transplants and other treatment plans solely based on their medical cannabis status. I don't know why we can't get this, but key provisions are people should not lose their child custody because they're a medical cannabis patient. People should not be subject to housing discrimination because they're a medical cannabis patient. Cannabis and cannabis derived products provided at state licensed dispensaries need to be subject to adequate testing for quality, potency, pesticides, and other adulterants. And cannabis products and packaging must have accurate information in regards to cannabinoid content and potency. In order to assure that the market demand is adequately met, registered patients need to have convenient access to these products and regulators should not be imposing arbitrary caps on the number of licenses for qualified commercial producers or uh, making extraordinary uh, fees to get into the market. And we see it with our black farmers uh, right now. We've seen it with how these the past five years have been rolled out in the medical system in Florida. And I am through. I'm fed up with it. I'm done being diplomatic about it. People want me to be diplomatic. I'm supposed to be the, the political guy. I'm not playing politics with people lives anymore okay if you are i don't care if you're a democrat or republican if you support thc caps your ass is getting thrown out of office one way or the other and I, i've talked to people in the democratic party who have often called chris uh, uh by a different name <laughs> usually, usually it's that damn kano <laughs> i'll take that i'll gladly take that but there are other two bills that are, that are there to tweak the program we should also could talk about and and mention it on the air that they need to go ahead and fix it as we're getting ready to get those things to committee the first one of course is from senator cruz that gives free uh cards to veterans but does not include those people who are on ssdi whose debilitating conditions have prevented them from working properly and they do not have the kind of money that everybody else does and so therefore Included in that bill should be in a, a clause that says if somebody's on SSDI, they should be allowed to get a free card as well as any veteran who also is, is disabled. Would you agree with that, Chris? Absolutely. We uh, that bill should be amended to to reflect that. I mean.
Shout out to Senator Cruz. I remember, what was it, two, three years ago when we actually met with Senator Cruz and, and actually asked her to, to support such legislation. And, and, and she stepped up the plate and has done that. So thank you, Senator Cruz, for doing that. But, yeah. you know, there were uh, folks in our delegation who were on um, the disability and Social Security, and they said, what about us? You know, like, look, I'm on a, you know, if you're on a fixed income of $800 a month, and yeah, you see what the cost of rent is, the rent is too damn high. You know, how rent are folks too damn high. Yeah, so how are folks supposed to afford their card, their medicine, and the rent? Come on now. There you go. And one other, one other thing about that bill. Last year, the bill never got a House sponsor. House people, take a look at this. This is something that you could actually, you know, climb to the stars with. Go ahead and, and, and co-sponsor this bill in the House and, and make it move forward. Now, the, the bill... Gary, hold on. Before you go move on, I, I'm not going to be that general. I'm going to make some call-outs right now, Okay. Representative uh, Fentress Driscoll, Representative Susan Valdez, both of you are, are solid Democrats. Both of you have worked with Senator Cruz in the past. All right. I don't see any reason why you can't step up to the plate and sponsor this bill. So I'm asking you nicely right now before I turn into the, that damn Kano again, step up and sponsor this bill in the House for our veterans and do right. Veterans should not be paying. They've already paid it forward. OK, they paid it forward when they put on the uniform, when they took the oath, when they got shot out and got Purple Hearts. All right. When they came home with PTSD, there's no excuse for them to be paying for a medical marijuana card in the state of Florida. And Fentress, you know, I love you, even though I told, I told you before, you're far too tall. But the fact <laughs> is, you are also one of the most intelligent folks out there in the House right now as one of the best auditors, uh, orators. And so I would say grab onto this. Speak about it. You make people listen. And we're more than happy to, to have you on our team. Kenna, I just got to say what you said today made things so clear to me. Oh, my God. I don't. Where'd Kenna go? the hell's going on i don't, I, I don't so i i'm pretty sure I, oh keno keno turned off his camera but the, the things keno said you know it seemed like that was bubbling up inside of him yeah but, I, I think he had, he had to he had to get rid of the flop sweat because he was getting really really angry yeah but after that that was intense i think it's, very intense it's time for your moment of clarity oh, okay. i don't think he was he went on a nine minute rant well let's but, talk about the golden rule yeah oh, the golden thou shall not eat Pork? What? No, 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 no. <laughs> By the way, this vegetarian used to work at a steakhouse. Go figure that one out. It was disgusting. <laughs> but we'll work on that. It was but, but let's talk about the golden rule. And basically, it's that he who has the golden pin can help to make the rules. And if you were part of, of uh, Suncoast Normal, you can be part of making the rules. And we are getting things done. Now, there are some things that are being done by the legislature that are tough for us to tweak because they're out there. We can either support them or we or knock them down. Like, for instance, uh, the, uh, the Department of Health bill, which always comes out every year to go ahead and fix all the various factors that involve the Department of Health, actually has a clause in it this year that says that they have the right to go ahead and test products across the state and recall them if necessary, which I think is fine. But they also have the, the clause right next to that where it says, and all <laughs> paraphernalia must be sampled for safety. I haven't figured that one out yet. It means you got to smoke weed out of those pipes. Well, here's a, here's a question. You got a spoon pipe. 
How unsafe is that? Is it because it's too close to your mouth there, or because you might break it in your hand and, and, and cut yourself? There is some things that could be very unsafe about poorly manufactured spoon pipes. Oh, right? I agree with that. And it, like Chinese I, vape pens. If, if, I may, if I may for a moment. So uh, in order to manufacture uh, said pipes uh, 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 for a, a cheap price overseas, Right, they're actually made shipped as uh, two-hole beads. Right now, if you look on a pipe, there's three holes. Right, so uh, hopefully, uh, in order to ship these pipes, they uh, they blow them, they make them with two holes. Right, ah. and the the hole inside the bowl, the carburetor. Went, no, no, not the carburetor. Ah. They make that over there. The hole inside the bowl because it's inside the bowl. You can't really like fucking put your finger on it or put yeah. your lips on it so like you can't cut yourself on it can't put my finger so, on it so they drill that hole in there and there could be glass particles and so in the inside the pipe so you could oh fucking i see so they're shipping with a carburetor glass and, and a mouthpiece when you're, but no when bowl you're smoking out of china glass well fix your damn bowl hole that's what i have to say thanks you're welcome sorry i i i but think i i, I <laughs> put we, you off your groove there we as a group here are constantly working to tweak those bills and make our presence known in Tallahassee as folks who are trying to tweak this bill and not just talking about it. And we actually had two of our bills this week actually get filed. Oh, yeah? By, by, by our, our fair Senator Brandis, who also believes in a lot of things we believe in. The first one, and you can write this down because you'll be wanting to talk about it to everybody you know, is SB 740. And that is the patient protection bill that, that uh, was just uh, Krista just alluded to, which basically states that when you have our medical patient, your medicine is not illicit. And by that, it means that when you are in an institution, like say, for instance, at a hospital or a assisted living facility, uh, it's not considered illegal, so they can't just take it away from you. A lot of ALFs are, are, are worry about the fact that if they get Medicare, that uh, they might just lose their Medicare funding if they heard that they're allowing their patients to use cannabis. I know a lady who was about 90 years old her, her, her son was taking care of her. He, she had severe Parkinson's. He got her on cannabis. She was doing so much better. A lot of her tremors had gone away. She was speaking freely. She, her, her brain was not as fogged. And, but because of other things that were going on with her, he had to put her in an ALF uh, it was, uh, that was uh, owned by Advent uh, Hospital System. And uh, they took her, mon her, her medicine away saying, Get, take it home. You, she can't have it here. We don't, we, if you don't want to throw it out, that's fine. If you want, if you leave it here, we will throw it out. And the fact is, within a matter of a month, uh, her, her Parkinson's got so bad, she did not recognize her son anymore, and she passed away not too long after that. Dang. And I'm sure there are other stories out there of people who have been in institutions who had their medicine taken away, even though it was the medicine that was actually working for them for some of their conditions. And how could they take away the medicine that's working? That is a situation. And... If you're on a transplant list and they find out that you have a medical card, they can take you off the transplant list even if you will die without a new liver or, 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 or another kidney if, you've only, if you only have one left or something to that effect. I know some folks who need brain transplants. I can't guarantee those. But as far as the other ones, they were worried about survivability if you were a cannabis patient. And there is study after study showing that using cannabis does not decrease your survivability in regards to organ transplant. I have always wondered though, like if you go to like get, get blood taken out, right? They ask you if you've smoked weed in the past 24 hours. And like, I always wondered if I had smoked weed in the past 24 hours, would the person that gets the blood get high? Answer me that, Gary. Well, here's the deal. 
uh, THC in the blood, mm-hmm. uh, kept at that certain temperature, 98.4, mm-hmm. will degrade over time. You know how they tell you to keep your, your, keep, your keep your blood in the fridge, guys. Yeah, keep keep your weed in a in a jar in a dark place, kind of thing. Yeah, or possibly even in the fridge, like you yeah. say. That, that is to keep it from degrading, keep it from falling apart. So if, if blood's been sitting around for a while and spun down all that bit, it's very possible that most of that THC has already been deactivated. Oh, but that that that's one of the situations. Involved. Well, then why why do I need to be sober for twenty four hours? I don't know. I've never known you to be sober sense. for twenty four hours. Uh, that's why I don't get blood. <laughs> okay. So SB, or kidneys. SB740, contact your senator and tell them to co-sponsor this bill and, and contact your House member and say, we need someone to sponsor it on the House bill, House side right now so we can start moving forward because these things are life-saving measures and you will save lives through this bill courtesy of Suncoast Normal. The second bill, He's back. SB744, takes care of another major glitch in the system. There are... Tons of states uh, in this uh, this country that have reciprocity, which means if you have a medical card from Florida, you can go to to, uh, you can go to uh, Nevada, you can go to Colorado, you can go to Oregon, you can go to Michigan, and they will allow you to use your card to go ahead and purchase there. And you can buy a medicinal product where we have the lower taxes and the wide range of products and things of that sort, and you're good. But here in the state of Florida, if you come to Florida and you're sick, and you bring your medicine with you, either because you drove over here or because you took your chances with TSA and you, you brought it over here, you could come on, proba- on on vacation and leave on probation. That is just a plain fact because if you are using cannabis in this state and you're from another state, even if you have a medical card, you are using it illegally. And then what's more, you can't buy any except for through the legacy market. And I guarantee you, they are going to continue cracking down on folks who buy from the legacy market because they're... <clears throat> They're working on that, those issues and that kind of situation. So we p- created a, a path to reciprocity here in the state of Florida. And we think this is so important. Number one, it'll increase tourism. And we could definitely use an increase That's in tourism. What I was about to say, man, like it's everybody's going to come to Florida. Everybody's going to come to our beaches. That's right. One Everybody. of the main reasons uh, that people come to Florida is, is on vacation and things of that sort. And one of the main reasons they don't come to Florida is if a family member is sick and they have to keep the, either leave them behind or, or, or stay with them at home, or they'll, they'll go to uh, out west and they'll freeze their tulkas off in Colorado so they can have a vacation where they can actually use their medicine. So we have people that are being diverted to other states because of lack of reciprocity. And we could use reciprocity here, number one, for the protection of our patients who come here to the state of Florida where it's all about enjoying yourself in a healthy manner. We wouldn't want anybody to come here and start getting sicker and sicker while they're here either. And so these are the things that can fix through the reciprocity bill. SB 744. We're going to discuss again more next week. But the fact is this bill also could use co-sponsors in the Senate and a a sponsor in the House. And we need you to contact your representative, contact your senator, and move SB 744 forward. And that is how we're going to handle things here in the state of Florida. We will continue to make laws that make things good for you. Now, that said, a lot of bills can be interpreted really crazy. And one of the things that you you had mentioned earlier this week, Carlos, was in regards to the loophole that actually allows you to have Delta 9 THC derived from hemp in an edible. Now, this is an interesting loophole. Let's, let's give this loophole a digital exam. You know, just put your finger in there, wiggle it around, and see exactly if this does hold standards. Let's, because what you're saying is that 
the the uh, <laughs> the really? <laughs> I'm just laughing at Kano, man. <laughs> what you're saying, basically, the definition of cannabis uh, is the definition of hemp. I'm sorry, is a, a product that has a, a actually flower that has less than 0.3 percent THC, right? Uh, yes. And what you propose is, and that people are using as a, a loophole is saying, if you have a product, which is a, a, a gummy, which by the way, here in the state of Florida, believe it or not, for those people who are not from here, we can't say gummy when it comes to edibles that are coming from the medicinal side. We have to call them soft chews because kids don't eat soft chews, but they eat gummies, right? Yeah, like throat lozenges oh, or some geez. shit. <laughs> no, just like, just like all that Halloween candy. I, I'm coming off of Halloween last week, and they're like, where the fuck are all the edibles at? You know, I mean, I saw I saw all this Florida sheriffs go on TV and warn people about the edibles. And I was just, I, I put on a costume. It was like, chick a found out that somebody had a, a sewing needle in their Kit Kat bar. I guess they were out of out of uh, THC gummies, so they had to start using sewing needles, right? That's I guess I guess it's just like they they went and they they went to buy the cannabis to put in the edibles, and they're like, "Oh shit, right? I but can the, only afford the sewing needle." <laughs> but but the loophole, basically, as as you stated, was that if you increase the size of the gummy, as opposed to the amount of THC uh, per per volume of of cannabis put in there, eventually you'll get to the point where you will have a gummy with 0.3 THC, but it actually makes it actually measures out at 10 milligrams. I don't mean if you know if you're talking about a two pound gummy or not. <laughs> but I think the the equation's like four gram gummy. But the law talk actually talks about flour having less than 0.3, uh, 0.03 yeah. uh, THC and not necessarily so, the edibles. So so in order for that edible to be legal as well, there's there's an extra on there. It needs to be derived from hemp. Now, here's an exercise you guys can do at home. If you guys have some soft chews at home, take a look at the label and take a look and see if it talks about the percentage of THC in your gummy. You won't find it. What you will find, it will say zero uh, grams of flour, 0% THC, 0% of this and the other thing because there's no flour in it. And they're going over whether or not it has 0.3% THC in flour, which does not exist in the gummy or soft chew, and so therefore it doesn't work. So I would have to say that the loophole here might not might not stand. Okay, I'm just I'm I'm just putting it out there. What's what, what's your opinion? What do you I, think? I I'm I'm surprised that you didn't attack the the loophole from uh, converting from CBD standpoint. Well, that's because yeah, that's that's delta nine that's converted from CBD. Like you, I would uh, I would think you'd argue that uh, that delta nine synthetic. Uh, no, not not exactly. Yeah. But there is a way of getting delta nine THC into edible products. Oh yeah, and that is if it's derived from hemp. Okay, just like when you have delta eight because it's derived from hemp, and because we had CBD products that were derived from hemp. Now there is in hemp 0.03 percent THC. So why don't just take that hemp and extract that, and then get some more, and then extract that, and get some more, and extract that, and get some more, and give it until you got a whole ten milligrams. <laughs> of THC to put in there that you got out of the, the I might it might take an entire bush. It, it might take an entire time. tree to get that much THC out of there, but it can be done. It'd take a long time. And you know, it, it can be done. 
I think this is the same issue that the marijuana Halloween candy people have is that it's going to cost too much to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I doubt that that would be a thing. Um, I don't know. Well, you heard me talk about THCP. That was that, that former THC that was 90 times stronger than, than the THC currently in the market right now, which freaked the heck out of, out of legislators because they need to have something to keep them awake at night and obviously not their wives. But here's the deal. <laughs> they are so afraid of this product because they say it's so strong. But the fact is, it is in minute, minute amounts when you even find it. But if you have a company that's going to go ahead and, and extract the heck out of this, and develop more of it so that you eventually you get to a point where you can actually get dosed. Again, they, they even say that, uh, and the, the people who have did some testing on this are very Timothy Leary about it. It's basically testing on everybody in the room and see who falls down first, that kind of thing. <laughs> and that, that, that is not exactly a scientific approach to the situation, but that, that is how they're doing it. Yeah. But, but there's, they're saying that you actually will get a uh, high that lasts three days. I would I, dare say it's not necessarily a medicinal approach to things. Uh-huh. That said, it, it is definitely an approach in the uh, adult use market, which they may continue pushing. But right now, because it's derived from hemp as well, just like it can be derived from hemp, uh, from other things, that they can actually produce it. So it's actually more of the derivation point as it is as opposed to the percentage of dry weight. So I don't know if that loophole is going to stand. High for three days? I mean, I was high for two days. You know, rolling like big blunts of Willie Nelson and Super Silver Haze, but three days—that's a—that's a long trip. I just—I can't wait to try it. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, I—I—I'm fucking stoked to try it. You know, I think the most annoying thing about uh, cannabis is how much you have to smoke it and how much you have to eat it in order to uh, to for it to work. Um, <laughs> okay. Here's my opinion. I like the idea of just fucking smoking a joint and not having to smoke and cough for the next three days. But but my concern is that we are kind of moving away from the medicinal market, which is not good because of the fact that one of the reasons this became legal is because we saw people with debilitating conditions, and we know that for a fact, for for thousands of years, it's been used as medicine. And for it to all to go away and strictly go towards an adult use market would be a loss for those people who have debilitating conditions and who need it. And it's bad enough that people who have disability, dis, uh, disabling conditions here in the state of Florida, if they go to MMTC and ask any of those fun, lively bud tenders who are trying to build a sale behind the counter about what works for your particular uh, problem, you won't get a straight answer because they don't you know. know. You know, you Plain know. and simple, they just don't know. You know what? I, I have to say, and I'm not paid to say this at all, but the people that move in, you five in Tampa on Dale Mabry, that one store at least, that I mean, I, I maybe more, but <laughs> there's but a lot of stores on Dale Mabry. At, at the very least, that one store for move on Dale Mabry <laughs> <laughs> is it, they know what they're talking about. <laughs> no, I, I went to that store with you one time, Carlos. I I recall that. The, the, the staff was friendly and knowledgeable versus like I went to a, the Certera store on Fowler and like, you know, what was it, like 22nd. 
And yeah, I, I was yeah. like, what? You know, like, like and, you know, and, uh, like, let's just call out the individual dispensaries, I guess that's where it's going. But the Cetarian Brandon, same thing. I walked in there and I asked about a few questions and they were like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you can dab that. If, if, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, this, this goes to a very important thing about comprehensive training in the cannabis industry, but also the fact that the people who are working in an MMTC, if they're not patients, how can they like really talk to a patient, right? So that's the difference between an adult use market and a medical market in many ways is the staff, you know, in an adult use market can definitely, um, you know, the staff in an adult use market can try out the product and give you recommendations versus the staff in a medical market. If they're not a medical patient, they have no clue about the product that they're telling you to use. And I think that is the side effect of this whole, having a, an, an, a dispensary look like an Apple store, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love the old Apple store thing. Yeah. I, I which when did legitimacy come from like looking like an Apple store? It's one thing that I actually kind of dislike. Cause like people, people come and chill them sometimes and they're like trying to give a compliment and they're like, this looks like an Apple store. This looks nothing like an Apple store, <laughs> like nothing at all. There's, there's, there's white, in apple stores as well as so, in Chillum, I so guess. you would like like the, the provisioners over in michigan where you basically go walk into a retail store that's got about 100 brands in there it's like a screwing candy store in there <laughs> and that's even with the medicinal market over there because at the time that i went back to the provisioners they didn't have a, a adult use market yet this was all medicinal products and they had everything you could possibly imagine you know they had three shelves for three different tiers of what of what they're selling but they had literally 100 brands in one store Mm -hmm. And we actually are hoping to eventually get to that point here in Florida. So you have a, a wider expanse. So if you walk into a particular dispensary, you can't just only be stuck with, with the products that they have there. Yeah. Well, that's the nice. problem. Like, you know, in Florida, with it being vertically integrated, the only brands you have are the brands that that MMTC puts out. You know, so if you walk into a place, you know, like, for example, you walk into Soterra, you only got whatever they got, their house versions, and then their, their Jimmy Buffett brand. You know, or yeah. if you walk into a true leave, they got their sunshine cannabis brand and whatever else truly true crumble or whatever they have. And, you know, same with move and such. So there, there isn't, there isn't this thing of these different mom and pops, you know, folks making edibles and selling them in the MMTCs, which is what we want to see happen uh, here in Florida. If you got a great brand, we'd, we'd love to see that, that the ability for folks to be able to put that out there. I mean, Hell, I would love to see, you know, the, even hot lunch is, you know, imagine if you could walk into an MMTC and get an infused lunch, you know, and, and nice. get out, right? Like the, yeah. we, the vision and the, and the possibilities are never ending. The problem is the regulation and the scary ass politicians. It's scary ass politicians. It just comes back to that shit. It comes back to the regulations. The like SAPs. Our pro the biggest problem with cannabis is that it was illegal in the first place. And then politicians have to come to fix everything and do shit like that. Like Gary pointed out, like that's the biggest problem. Like we need to stop with the fucking regulations. We need to grow it in our fucking backyards like fucking tomatoes. Because every regulation that comes out has to be modified or eliminated before we can but move forward. If there's too many of them, we're going to have to hit them one at a time. Yeah, and it's but it, it's such like it, it really just fucking pisses me off. Like I'm I, I'm just ranting now, I guess. But 
that's the thing. It's like this is something that has never hurt anybody. The biggest problem is that conservatives think it'll give you dim- dementia, like, and that's fucking bullshit. Like, it, the biggest problem is that people are lying about it. In North Carolina, it's called dementia. Dementia. <laughs> well, you know, you, I you I know, see, with the e. I see the diff. I, I went to a kind love one time in uh, in Colorado in Denver. And the, one of the things that really struck me was if you were adult use, you went upstairs. And if you're a medical patient, you went downstairs. You know, it's a two-story dispensary. And downstairs, they had a totally different uh, uh, supply of strains and a different tax structure. And I thought, wow, they're getting it right. Like, that's the way it should be. Medical patients should have more options based on their, their debilitating conditions. They should have access to, to you know, a, 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 you know, different uh, potency of products, high CBD, high THC, you know, uh, having strains that have high amounts of both, you know, and then on, on the, on the adult use side, you know, but, but all of that to say is that there also shouldn't be caps in, in people's medicine. Like, you know, I, I don't get this idea of, Oh, I don't want to strains out there that get people high for three days. Well, if anybody knows a, a child with Gervais syndrome, if they were high for three days, that would probably be the best three days for those parents because they wouldn't have to worry about their child going into a grand mal seizure. Thank yeah, you. and some of these kids have as much as 100 seizures a day. Thank you, Kano. That's the greatest point anybody can make is that this is on an individual basis. Absolutely. Some people need to have this medicine for three days straight. Some people, some people are in fucking hell when they have to fucking re-up on their medicine. That's that's the proof. That's the point right there. In the pharmaceutical industry, one of the things that actually increased profits greatly was when they started to develop what they called extended release products that you, you could take one pill a day as opposed to five or six pills a day. And that, that, that actually sold more than the ones where you had to take five or six pills a day. Now, that said, I was once talking to an ophthalmologist who said, I don't believe in using cannabis for glaucoma because you've got to take it like four or five times a day. I said, my wife took all sorts of drops for her eye, including uh, uh, prednisolone and things of that sort. And you have to take those four times a day. So what the heck is the difference? I mean, at that point in time. I mean, I recall my my grandmother before she passed away in in 2016, you know, I was telling her, hey, we're going to legalize it this year and we're going to get you a card and I want you to get off all these medicines. She was on 19 different medications. And I told her, run them down to me, explain to me what they're for and what the side effects. And when she started telling me, well, I take this pill for this, but then I take this pill for this side effect from this pill. And then the side effect from that pill, I got to take this pill. And, uh, and we got it down to like, if she could have went from 19 meds to less than six, if she had access to medical marijuana. And uh, that is the difference that people are able to see in their lives, but we're not able to reach that vision because again, it goes back to getting your doctor recommendation. We've already had to fight, uh, you know, around this whole flower thing. Um, now we're, we've been fighting off THC caps for the last two, three sessions, and we haven't moved anywhere on employment protections. And what really pisses me off is that now they're trying to throw THC caps into the employment protections. I have no desire to kill the the bills that we have put forth and sponsored, but I'll kill that fucking bill and bury it six feet under if it means that they're going to attack people's medicine. It's not That's right. right. If you remember, they, they once put that cap in the bill that gave uh, veterans uh, free free medical cards. Yeah. And I had veterans say, I don't I, I'll spend the 75 bucks for a card, but I don't want this damn cap. Yeah. And, and, and it's got to stop. If politicians are going to continue to do that, then they got to go again. Weed the people 
are much stronger than any single politician. There you go. Let's just let's just end the show right now. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's have the commercial done. Don't forget, guys, we are a a membership uh, driven in the, uh, organization, as opposed to other organizations that are, are constantly asking you for donations and things of that sort. And and uh, we are talking about we want you as members. We want you as active, giving out your time and your treasure and your talent. Hey, if you just want to donate to, you know. Go right ahead. Absolutely. But donate more than 25 bucks. <laughs> but but we would like to, to bring, have you come up with us to Tallahassee. And when a bill comes up that's important, give you a chance to testify. Give, give them a chance to hear what you have to say. If you have a story about how lack of reciprocity has affected you, if you have a story that, that, that says about how uh, not having a, uh, a patient protection bill had affected you, we want to hear it so they can hear it because those are the things that change things. If it wasn't for Charlotte Widgie's uh, story, we wouldn't even have medical cannabis these days because it was her story that moved things forward. And so we want you to come here, join us, and be part of the change. And you will get this fantastic gold pin. You will get a card which says you are a normal member. And you can tell everybody, hey, I'm normal. And you have people look at you really strange. Mm-hmm. And you can be part of that change and we can fix those things that are terribly and wrong right now. I will give you a hug. And a 25% discount. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. This has been the rotation. And you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member. Because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes. But you can always join us in the rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary. And good night. Good night.